Welcome to episode number 324 of Sleep Whispers. Tonight, you'll hear a Whisperpedia episode about that large, furry, and huggable dog, the St. Bernard. I'm Harris, and I created this tranquilizer of restless brain squirrels so you can relax and fall asleep. Alright, why did I choose the St. Bernard for tonight's Whisperpedia? Well, one simple reason is that the St. Bernard is such a popular dog. These huge dogs are often featured in movies, cartoons, and novels. Three of the most famous St. Bernards, all of which are fictional, include Beethoven, the bumbling St. Bernard, who was featured in a series of comedy movies, Nana, the lovable St. Bernard, who was featured in a couple of Peter Pan movies. And, of course, Cujo, the deadly St. Bernard, who was featured in a horror novel, which was made into a horror movie. In today's episode, I'll share some real facts about the modern St. Bernard, including their average weight, lifespan, appearance, health challenges, and most importantly, their temperament. Yeah, because I know that you're still thinking about Cujo. (laughs) I'll also explain which dog breeds you are most likely to confuse with a St. Bernard. Then, I'll go into their curious history, such as, was there really a holy person in history who was named St. Bernard? Is this person the origin of the name of this dog breed? Did these dogs truly rescue people from avalanches in the Alps? Did they actually carry brandy in mini barrels around their necks? And I'll finish this episode with some places that you can go if you want to be surrounded by a furry sea of soft and huggable St. Bernard's. If you want more fact-filled Whisperpedia episodes like this one, then just become a Silk Plus member and you can get free access for a limited time to over 50 more Whisperpedia episodes and 400 other episodes. If interested, then just use the link in the episode notes or go to 
podcasts.com. Now, I know a guy who is not trained to rescue you from an avalanche, but he can rescue you from insomnia. <laughs> yeah, it's my old buddy, Drew Ackerman, who you may know better as Scooter. He hosts the Sleep With Me podcast, and his episodes are healthier for you than chugging a mini cask of brandy before bed. <laughs> You'll love his hypnotic voice, bizarre bedtime stories, and fun personality. Just search for Sleep With Me in your podcast player or use the link in the episode notes. Okay, let's begin tonight's Whisperpedia. The following is adapted from the Wikipedia article titled St. Bernard Dog and other related Wikipedia articles. I'll begin with some facts about the modern St. Bernard, and then I'll dig into the fascinating history. The modern St. Bernard is best known for being a very large and heavy dog. A female St. Bernard can grow to be about 130 pounds or 60 kilograms. Male St. Bernard can grow to be about 160 pounds or 70 kilograms. Sure enough, the world record for the heaviest dog is held by a St. Bernard who was named Benedictine. This massive dog weighed are you ready for it? 367 pounds or 167 kilograms. That there is a big dog. The next key trait of St. Bernard's are their thick and soft fur. This beautiful fur is mostly brown and white, with some black shading around their face and ears. St. Bernard's are also known as being gentle giants due to their mild temperament. They are calm, patient, loyal, and affectionate with adults and especially children. Oh, but wait. You've probably seen the movie or read the book, Cujo, the story of a killer St. Bernard dog. <laughs> okay, two important details. One, that story is fiction. And two, in that story, the dog had rabies. 
thing with rabies should be feared. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if someone has made a horror movie titled Slucko, the Killer Sloth with Rabies. <laughs> okay, back to St. Bernard's. The biggest real threat to small children and even adults is being accidentally knocked over by these lumbering gentle beasts. It is important, though, that St. Bernard's, like all very large dogs, be well socialized with people and other dogs in order to prevent any possible aggression. Proper training and socialization should begin while the St. Bernard is still a puppy because it just gets more difficult as they get older and bigger. Now, being so large does make them very huggable, but unfortunately, their size and weight does give them some health challenges. A St. Bernard can have a very serious deterioration of the bones if the dog doesn't get proper food and exercise. They also tend to be affected by hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, and bone cancer. Additional health challenges include seizures, heart disease, eczema, and a tendency for their eyelids to turn in or out. So, proper medical care is important, along with lots of hugs. <laughs> the average lifespan of a St. Bernard is around nine years, although some sources put it lower at around seven years. The record lifespan for a St. Bernard was 12 years and nine months. There are several breeds that are related to St. Bernard's, such as the English Mastiff, Swiss Mountain Dogs, Bernese Mountain Dogs, and some other mountain dogs. Of all of those, you may be most likely to mistake a Bernese Mountain Dog for the St. Bernard because they look the most alike. Just remember though, the St. Bernard is mostly brown and white with a little bit of black, but a Bernese Mountain Dog is mostly black with a little bit of brown and white. Now here are some fun facts about Bernese Mountain Dogs. They were bred as an all-purpose farm dog for guarding property and 
driving dairy cattle long distances from the farm to the pastures. The farmers also used the dogs to transport their carts of milk and cheese. As a result, Bernese mountain dogs were also known by the locals as cheese dogs. <laughs> I don't know if that's a fortunate or unfortunate nickname. Now, the breed that does look the most like a St. Bernard is the Moscow Watchdog. Both breeds are brown and white with a little bit of black. Moscow Watchdogs originated by breeding St. Bernards with Caucasian Shepherd Dogs. And as you would guess, Moscow Watchdogs were developed in Russia. This occurred in the years following World War II because the Soviet Union wanted a cold, tolerant guard dog to meet the problem of rising crime. This new breed of guard dog was quite successful. In fact, Moscow watchdogs are still used as military service dogs in Russia today. I'll post some images of a Moscow watchdog, a Bernese mountain dog, and a St. Bernard on the Silk Plus message board so you can see how similar and different these dogs look. Alright, let's move on to the history of the St. Bernard. The earliest written records of the St. Bernard are from monks at the Great St. Bernard Hospice at the Great St. Bernard Pass. Okay, there's a lot of info in that statement. We now have three things to unpack related to the history of the St. Bernard dog. Oh was St. Bernard. What is the great St. Bernard Hospice? And where is the great St. Bernard Pass? And how do all of these things tie together to create the history of a dog famous for saving people from avalanches? <laughs> yep. I'm going to explain all of this to you. Let's begin with St. Bernard, the Holy Man. Wikipedia says he was born in France in 1020 AD, but some other sources say he was born in Italy in 923 AD. Well, here is what most sources agree on. Before he was St. Bernard, he was just Bernard, or Bernie de 
Lovers Friends. <laughs> I, I have no idea if anyone called him Bernie. I made that part up. Anyway, Bernard was descended from a rich and noble family and received a very thorough education. When he reached adulthood, he decided to devote himself to the service of the church. He became ordained as a priest and worked as a missionary in the mountain villages of northern Italy. Most importantly, this area where he worked included the Alps mountain range, which connects northern Italy and Switzerland. A specific route, or pass, enabled travelers to trek through this region of the Alps so they could go back and forth between these countries. Unfortunately, the pass was, and still is, perpetually covered with about seven feet of snow. The snow drifts can even grow to a height of 40 feet, making the journey quite difficult. The worst dangers, though, are the avalanches that occur during the spring. Now, today, obviously, you can just fly over the Alps, or travel by rail, or car. But back in the 11th century, people traveled on foot, on horseback, or in carts. And this is where Bernie... <laughs> I mean, Bernard comes in. As a priest in this area for decades, he kept hearing stories about the dangers of these mountain passes. Many travelers were ambushed by robbers, or worse, got lost and froze to death. Bernard saw a need, and he decided to do something about it. He founded a monastery at the highest point of this pass, and another one at a lower area. Both routes were two of the most frequently traveled areas in that region. Over time, these passes became known as Great St. Bernard's Pass and Little St. Bernard's Pass. The monasteries he founded were actually hospices or hostels with the goal of helping the travelers. The hospices were run by monks and provided shelter from the weather, safety from robbers, and a place to rest and eat. But the monks didn't just wait for travelers come to them. Every morning, a patrol of monks went out to look for travelers who were lost or injured, and then they brought them back to the hospice. Now, during Bernard's lifetime, dogs were really not 
searches. Wikipedia says he died in 1081 AD, but some other sources say he died in 1008 AD. Either way, his mountaintop auspices became increasingly famous for all the travelers they helped. About 600 years later, around 1665 AD, it would be the monks in these auspices who introduced dogs to their shelters. Initially, the dogs were probably used as watchdogs, but then later, starting around 1800 AD, the monks began using dogs during their rescue operations. For this specific purpose, the monks bred large, common herding dogs from the local area. These herding dogs were naturally well-suited to help them find and rescue lost travelers. The dogs never received any special training from the monks. Instead, younger dogs would learn how to perform search and rescue operations from the older dogs. At all seasons of the year, but especially during heavy snowstorms, the monks and their dogs would search for travelers in need of help. And yes, this work was so dangerous that the dogs themselves were sometimes claimed by the avalanches. These heroic rescue dogs would later be known as St. Bernard's, of course. But initially, during that time, they went by many other names. These names included Alpine Mastiffs, Alpine Dogs, Sacred Dogs, Saint Dogs, Berry Hounds, or Berry Dogs. <laughs> now, this name of Berry Dog may confuse you. These dogs didn't bury people in the snow. They unburied people in the snow. So why were they called Berry Dogs? The important detail here is that the word Berry is not spelled B-U-R-Y like the verb, but The name Berry Dogs came from the most famous of these rescue dogs, who was born in 1800 and was named Berry. Now, Berry and the other original St. Bernards at that time were smaller than the St. Bernards of today. Berry was a little more than 
the size and weight of a modern St. Bernard, and he also had shorter fur. He was similar in size to a modern German Shepherd dog, but very smaller statue didn't stop him from saving more than 40 travelers during his lifetime. In fact, a modern St. Bernard probably wouldn't be a better rescue dog than Barry and the other rescue dogs of his time. This is because Barry's shorter fur would be less likely to get weighed down with frozen snow, something that would be more likely to happen with a modern St. Bernard. Anyway, after 12 years of service at the monastery, Barry was brought by a monk to burn Switzerland to have a nice, restful retirement. Barry died around 1814, but you can view his preserved body today in the Natural History Museum of Bern in Switzerland. Of this museum display is that Barry has a small barrel hanging around his neck, which brings us to the important question. Did these alpine rescue dogs actually carry small barrels? This question arises because St. Bernard's are often portrayed as wearing small barrels of brandy around their necks. Supposedly, avalanche victims drink the brandy to stay warm while waiting to be rescued. The monks of the St. Bernard Hospice deny that any St. Bernard dog has ever carried casks or small barrels around their necks. Interesting note, though, you will see many casks around the St. Bernard Hospice if you visit, but the monks do this for tourist photographs. <laughs> anyway, the monks attribute this myth to an 1820 painting titled Alpine Mastiffs Reanimating a Distressed Traveler. I'll post an image of this painting on the Silk Plus message board so you can see it for yourself. The painting just basically shows two dogs digging a traveler out of the snow and one of the dogs has a small cask around his neck. Now, there is a source that suggests Barry, the most famous rescue dog, may have carried a cask around his neck. In 1823, which was about three years after that painting, the following statements were published in a book. 
these statements summarize the rescue dogs of the hospice, the life of Barry, and the last line mentions the cask around his neck. Here it is. Quote, The breed of dogs kept by the monks to assist them has long been celebrated for its sagacity and fidelity. Many of them, though, were buried lately, along with some unfortunate travelers under an avalanche. But three or four hopeful puppies were left at home in the hospice and do still survive. The most celebrated of those who are no more was a dog called Barry. This animal served the hospice for twelve years, during which time he saved the lives of forty individuals. His seal never fatigued. Whenever the mountain was enveloped in fogs and snow, he set out in search of lost travelers. He was accustomed to run barking until he lost his breath and would frequently venture to the most perilous places. When he found his strength was insufficient to draw a numb traveler from the snow, he would run back to the hospice in search of the monks. When old age deprived Barry of his strength, he was retired to burn Switzerland as a reward. After his death, his hide was stuffed and deposited in the museum of that town. The little cask in which he carried a reviving liquor for the distressed travelers whom he found among the mountains is still suspended from his neck. End quote. Okay, you are probably thinking the same thing I am. Could the painting have influenced a barrel to be added to Barry after he died? I think it's also curious that this famous quote uses the words distressed travelers when mentioning that little cask around Barry's neck. And those are the same two words that are in the title of the painting with the cask. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to leave that as another mystery of history. Okay, let's move on to another big question, which may have a clearer answer. When were these famous alpine rescue dogs finally called St. Bernard's? Well, it wasn't until 1865 when the term St. Bernard was first used primarily for the breed. This soon became the most common name. In 1880, the Swiss Kennel Club 
recognize St. Bernard as the official name for this breed. During the early 1900s, these brave dogs even played a part in World War I by assisting the Red Cross. They were also used to carry supplies to troops who were stationed in the Italian Alps. These regions were inaccessible to mules and horses, but not to St. Bernard's. In 1923, Pope Pius XI confirmed the St. Bernard as the patron saint of the Alps. St. Bernard's continued to be used for alpine rescues until 1955. After this date, the great St. Bernard Hospice still retained 18 of the dogs for tradition and sentiment, but that ended in 2004. A nearby town still keeps St. Bernard's, though, for breeding, therapy activities, and, of course, to interact with tourists. And in the summer, some of these St. Bernard's are brought up to the great St. Bernard Hospice to interact with visitors there. Additionally, there is a big celebration of St. Bernard's that takes place on the Little St. Bernard Pass every year. So do plan a trip to any of these historical sites if the thought of being surrounded by large, huggable St. Bernard's brings a smile to your face, which I bet it does. This is the end of tonight's Whisperpedia episode. If you'd like to become a Silk Plus member and get free access for a limited time to many more Whisperpedia episodes and 400 other episodes, then just use the link in the episode notes or go to silkpodcasts.com or perhaps you're now ready to fall deeply asleep. If so,